Hello, this is Pack Your Bags with Tui and I'm Russell Kane. I've just checked, still Russell Kane. This is the travel podcast where I speak to legends from the world of sports, food, science, entertainment and more to chat about their greatest travel adventures and also their misadventures and how these experiences have enriched their lives. And it works quite simply. Over the episode, they will reveal their three must-pack items and the surprising stories behind them, what they say about them and their attitudes to travel. Probably a bit of a psychoanalysis sometimes on the items. There's been a lot of toilet-related items, so I'm hoping for a break today, but I'm guessing it won't be. I also have a real good look at their passport. Yes, of course, to mock the pouting or the taken-by-surprise rabbit-in-the-headlights look or the horribly outdated haircut, naturally. But I'm more interested in the stamps and where they've been and what it emotionally represents to them when they look back on their self, sometimes up to nine years ago. And to polish it all off, we will have a quick fire round to really put them in the hot seat. And in the studio today is, I mean, to introduce Riyadh Khalif is not easy because he's got so many different tags. I have to, well, Celeb MasterChef winner, I'm going to go with first because that's so impressive. Followed by author, followed by YouTuber. What yeah. a CV. Yeah, it's, do you know what it is? It's just uh, through functionality because I'm terrified as a freelancer that one of them will go away and I won't be able to eat. So I have to do loads of things. And up until now, I have eaten. Yeah. Life is good. But to win it, though, you know, oh, yeah. and to not and not be sort of lose your cool or get cat scared or mess up. Do you know what? I, I went on that show and I, I believe I might have been a last minute kind of filler for someone who pulled out. I think because right. it was very kind of late in the, late in the day. It said Anton. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? Riyadh. Um, and I, I just had a good time. I just had fun. One thing about MasterChef, though, is because it's the time of uh, evening that it goes out and because it's quite like a family show. Mm they don't put in any of the drams when you're cutting yourself by accident or you're burning yourself but they don't they don't put it in so uh, in those moments where you you injure yourself accidentally yeah oh my god I'm getting attention again oh I'm injured again you're like again. well at least it'll make good TV and then you yeah. see it go out and you're like none of that meant anything no you've just got an inexplicable like bleeding from the eyebrow and finger in the next shot can you see oh the my state goodness of me. my hand is that from MasterChef that's half MasterChef half my cat and um, people might not know, but they might have picked up from your name, Riyadh Khalaf, but mm. your and your accent. Yeah, there's no, the name and the accent from from a culinary perspective. Mm. That's a mixture of the Iraqi and the Irish. Yeah, I'm a fusion of sorts. So what what is Iraqi Irish fusion cooking like? Is it vine leaves in Guinness or? Um, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, my mother isn't a psychopath, and she would <laughs> sort of. Do uh, koftas on a Monday, Irish stew on a Tuesday. Oh my God, it's like the do... Irish Craig David song. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, then we chilled on a Thursday. Sword of bread at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you're here to chat about travel experiences. You brought your three must-pack items. Mm. But before we get into that, I just need to check your paperwork. Riyadh, have you got your passport? Now, uh, listeners, in, yep. in case you're unaware of how immaculately Riyadh is dressed, this should be interesting. Well, this passport is... How old for a start, the passport? Um, 2018. Oh, that's not too bad. So it's, it's quite fresh. Oh, so you're halfway through. But this is an exciting passport because in Ireland we're always last with everything. So the, the previous one that I, I had was all paper, like laminated paper. And it was flimsy and it was almost, it felt like papyrus. Mm. Uh, but so this was a big step for Ireland. We got the plastic page, the biometric 
So you got the e, the e gates. You got the e gates. Go through the e gates, and you don't have to do the big old line. Do you know what I mean? So here it is. And let me just say one thing, Russell. What's going on with the hair? I look fit there. What's going on with the hair? That's your hair right now. Like you've just been signed like to Manchester United as one of their upcoming stars. Yeah, they're all fit. Exactly. Haven't you looked? Yeah. Now people get really embarrassed by the passport picture, but I I think I look okay there. For yeah, a passport lovely. picture, Norm- normally they're not the best. And what are the stamps in your passport you're most proud of? Any sort of really far-flung, super weird, explorey corners, or a place that is homely and make and makes you feel like mm. safe and warm and lovely? Or- I uh, in my passport, let me see, let me see. I've got uh, Swaziland. Now, now I was not expecting you to say. <laughs> yeah, it's now known as Eswatini. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny country in uh, yeah. South Africa. Mm-hmm. And I went there to film a documentary uh, about their first ever Pride Parade. And they've got an absolute monarchy, haven't they? One of the few countries what? left. Look at you! Yes! Yeah. Quite homophobic, but it was So you did a So you did a Pride Parade in a homophobic country? A technically illegal Pride Parade. So, and how, with how, threats of petrol bombs. I mean, the fact you're sat here and alive, it obviously went okay. But yeah. how scary was that? Very scary. The previous day before the parade, we were I was just out and about interviewing one of our amazing contributors and an activist. And some local teenage boys came over because they saw that we had a camera and they were intrigued. We started chatting and they asked what the documentary is about. I said, we're doing a documentary about this uh, march tomorrow. And they complete their demeanour completely changed. And they were saying all sorts of really homophobic stuff and, and threatening violence. And then I said to the crew... I kind of looked and made sure that they they didn't look like they were terrified and, and we kind of all nodded, we're going to continue rolling. And thank God we did because this really incredible conversation started between me and the kind of lead guy where uh, he he said, um, gay people are wrong, it's sick, it's, it's disgusting, I don't want anything to do with that, we're going to petrol bomb the parade tomorrow. And then I said, do you know any gay people? And he goes, no, man, no, I don't want to know any gay people. And I said, well, you, you do know a gay person. We're back and forth. He said, no. And I said, well, you're, I'm gay. Oh. You know me. And he goes, you're gay? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you don't look gay. We started having this conversation, breaking down kind of the, the preconceived notions uh, and that you can't catch it. <laughs> yeah. And we, um, he shook my hand at the end and he said, I'm going wow. to tell uh, my friends in the future that wow. it's not the way I thought it was. And he went on his way. My goodness me! Yeah. And that's Ten minutes. Cam- can we what? Can we see that that chat? Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's a a, a documentary called um, "Fighting for Pride: Colon Swaziland." I would absolutely love to yeah. see that. And we haven't even got to your first must-pack item, but please, let me please bring it out through my bag. <laughs> so this is a uh, Pepto Bismol. Pepto Bismol is your first traveller, and I did not know that was available in pill form. I've seen the liquid in yeah. the in the jar. Now this is going to change my life because if you've had a bit of a meal that's disagreed with you, or maybe had one wines too many, yeah, or even food poisoning when you're on this a holiday. This is it. I had food poisoning in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, a great place, lovely food, but this one particular night I ate something wrong, and. Um, and it was um, it was violent and it was traumatic and it was persistent for days. Wow. And the only thing that allowed me to like reclaim a bit of the holiday was this. And so w- I, I have loads of them at home. I don't go anywhere without them now. What, I- what is it though? What's in it? Is it like a chalky type? Is it calcium? What, I, what is it? I 
actually I'm mad into science and I don't want to know I don't want to not know what's going into me so I did a bit of a Google when I when I had the, the issue apparently it like makes your gut absorb more water than it normally <gasps> would so it dries out the diarrhoea this is so gross hydration keeps coming up hydration and digestion comes up a lot on travel it's, it's interesting to hear so you're obviously quite brave with your food decisions then if you I always think people that end up with a lot of food poisoning are brave people that tend to eat the destination they're at and go to the hidden gems and things like that and and look for the street food and take a few risks and obviously as a winner of MasterChef are you a culinarily experimental person would you say? I'm actually not as experimental as you might think I I get yeah I, I don't like any awful organs um, I'm. I. I do like though going to the local place. So we'll always say to the concierge, "Where should we go tonight?" And then they'll say, "This fabulous five star thing up the road." I'm like, no. Where do you and your mates go? Oh my god! Do you know how often this two pack your bags travel tip crops up? So many people say, "Ask and then ask." No, Again. where do you really go? But very often the hotel is your main source of information, and you want the real thing. This is it. The real thing. But they get embarrassed by maybe the aesthetics of the place exactly. aren't quite right. So I, I, in Mexico, Playa del Carmen, with my family, we asked for the local place and he, he warned us. He was like, it's just an open place. There's a lot of families. And we're like, great. And it was, it, it looked shite, to be honest. Like there was, there was fluorescent lights and it was, it was motorbikes zipping around outside. It was, it was, but the food was like nothing I've ever had ever before. We had cactus who knew the cactus was nice? It's delicious. We we had margaritas that were enormous, but they were real margaritas. They weren't overly sweet, you know, like they yeah, put yeah. extra hair in your chest. It was, yeah, it was great. Oh, lovely. Right, let's go back to the beginning now. Um, right. So your love I was of, born in Dublin. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have a love <laughs> of planes and aviation that runs quite deeply. Mm. Uh, is it true that before your YouTube career kicked off, you wanted to be a pilot? Yeah. So I, I always dreamt of being a pilot and I was going to go and train in the States because it's cheaper out there. But anyway, you had to get a visa to do this pilot license and all the student pilots went in for this visa interview at the American Embassy and they were like, yeah, pass, true, yeah, you're going in, well done, blah. And I went up to the window and they were like, Riyadh, that's not a typical Irish name. And I'm like, well, no, you know, my dad's from Iraq and mom's from Dublin. I was 17 and I was like, I didn't understand that there would be any sort of prejudice for any of that crap. And they were like, oh, Iraq? Well, (laughs) your application's going to take longer than we expected. And it was 10 weeks had elapsed. My course date had come and gone. We'd lost all the money. And um, then they were like, do you still want to go? And then they knew what the dates were. And so I, I, I didn't go. Oh, no. But now I think, blessing in disguise, I would be awful up the front of a plane. I, I understimulated. I have ADHD. It's not a good you idea. Just kick for the door up and go boom. I know yeah. a song about this ocean we're going over. <laughs> Look how deep and blue it is. <laughs> sail away, sail away. Do you know Enya? Do you know Enya's you know Irish? Do no, I'm Irish? I suppose um, so. What, what a horrible story. I mean, yes. It, it, but, but now, now it's it's better as a hobby. Of course. I'm one of those weirdos that goes to Heathrow Have you got a pilot? and I stand by the. the but did runway. you ever get like a hobby license or anything like that? It's on the horizon. I, 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 want, I want to do it um, but I, I'm a, I do you know what I have a fear of starting it and not being clever enough to finish it and being embarrassed isn't that awful yeah. so I think I might just do it randomly without telling anyone good idea and that way if I fail and I am thick nothing's changed no exactly that's exactly what I did when I started stand up I told no one about the first few gigs no. I didn't want anyone in the audience I didn't want my friends asking how did it go and it takes that pressure away yeah um, 
So you, we talked about the fact your dad's Iraqi and your mum's Irish. Where where did they meet? Here in London. Really? Earl's Court. Dad uh, escaped Iraq as a refugee. Um, it was during Saddam's reign and all of his friends had been sent to fight in various conflicts, mainly in Iran. And they were all coming back in a box dead. And he, he was like, uh-uh, I can't do this. And he had a one-digit misprint in his birth certificate, which made him appear two or three years younger than he actually was. So not at the age of conscription where he had to go to the army. They got a passport and he left. He went to Denmark or something. And then Denmark were like, we're not taking in any more refugees or any more people. You have to go back. Went back to Iraq, hid out for a year and then left again, came to the UK. And he was here for eight years, um, working as a DJ at night, uh, working uh, cleaning dishes So was it refugee status when he arrived then? Uh, I don't know what it was called back then. If he arrived now, it'd be like, oh, how do you fancy Kigali, And I often think that now when I watch the news, I'm like, oh, okay, so I might not exist if my dad arrived now. And he's he's brought so much to Ireland where he lives now and he's an Irish citizen. It would just be a shame to kind of not see that and waste that. But anyway, he met mom. Mom came over. She she was uh, working as a chambermaid uh, in a hotel and um, housekeeping and then they, they fell in love. So He's the player, you be 40. So I'm, I'm obsessed with like what your travel um, must have been like as a kid then. So is it mm. Middle East or is it Galway going to Inish Boffin to chase sheep around? What, what did you do? Was your dad a bit like, I've had enough travelling, I'm keeping it close to where I feel safe or was he, was he no, come on, let's go, let's have a poke around we Dubai? Didn't, we didn't have much money uh, when I was growing up so mum and dad were very... Uh, experimental and clever with what we did. It was a lot of driving to places in Ireland and, and doing kind of B&Bs and stuff. But then once money started coming in a little bit, we did package holidays. Uh, we became addicted to them. And we went to the same place in Tormelinos, I think three times. The staff knew them so well that they crowned my mom and dad Mr. and Mrs. Camino Real, which is the name of the, the hotel. <laughs> is it still there, Camino Real? I think I think it is. I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure. And it was beautiful memories out there, you know, eating prawns and being on the beach and oh my God, we're we go on holidays. We're those people. And it was at the time where you'd have to go into the travel agent yeah. and you'd sit there and she'd have the little neck scarf. She dressed like cosplaying as a, as a flight attendant yeah. and she'd be like tippy tappy 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 tippy tappy tappy well I have a deal at the end of the month to go to Porto Benus do you want that? and she'd always have a bit of gum in her mouth and, and an updo <laughs> and I'm like oh my god I want to be you you're fabulous in the closet child but, yeah. um, and then where else did we go we did Mexico and uh, well my grandmother died and we used some of that money to go to Mexico quite adventurous though because you you could go one of uh, two two ways couldn't you if you've had that type of start to life where you just want to get to a place of refuge and safety you might not be too bold about leaving it on long flights that that, that is true yeah I, I think my parents uh, had worked so hard to build something from nothing over the years that when the opportunity came to travel, like their friends had done, you know, he had a citizenship. He knew it wasn't going to be an issue getting back into Ireland. He was an Irish citizen. They were like, yeah, let's go. My, my parents are kind of, uh, you know, they're all about life. They're very kind of, how can we bleed as much fun out of this situation as possible, even if it's going to damage us um, in some way? They're, yeah, they're quite wild. And, and how much how much of the Arabic culture was in when you were growing up? Do you speak Arabic? Do you cook uh, Iraqi food? Or Food was the main thing. I, I don't speak it, which is really sad, but it just it wasn't a priority for my dad, I, no. I don't think, to teach me that. But I would go with him to the mosque 
and we'd eat the food there and, and he'd be t- chatting to his mates and, and the rest of the family. But then I'd also go to church with mom. So I had this kind of like weird life where, you know, I'm like, Salam alaikum. And I'm like, Lord be with you. <laughs> it's like, I've got I, all the bases I don't know where I'm coming or going. And I'm, which one do you believe? I, but I was brought up a Catholic. Yeah. And that was more like, you know, you don't want to be the, the, the kid that's told to leave the room when we're doing the religious stuff and you're kind of ostracised and you're othered. I was already othered because of how I looked and dressed and talked and moved and my interests. I didn't need another thing yeah. to be like targets. So, uh, but when I came out, then they both let go of said religions and we became atheists, humanists and it's way better. Mm. Um, you still seem close to your parents. They're all over your socials and yeah. they even contributed to your book. Do you still enjoy travelling with them as an adult? So what I'll say is they're party people. And I I feel like I've taken on the role as parent. So we went. Ah, uh, you got an ab fab type dynamic. Uh huh. Exactly. I'm I'm Saf, <laughs> and I'm like, no, mom, you can't do that. No, we went to Grand Canaria. Uh, Christmas just gone, and uh, my mom and I booked the accommodation, but we didn't realise that we had booked right beside a place called the Yumbo Centre. What's that? Which is this uh, old old eighties seventies eighties shopping centre. In the day, you go shopping. In the night, everything turns into separate nightclubs. Ooh. All gay. It's like gay mecca. Um, tacky gay mecca. And mom said, <laughs> we're going out tonight. We're going to this club. And myself, mom, dad, my little brother, we went to the main sort of club. And we danced the night away. We were doing shots. Uh, I was kissing a couple of fellas nearby them mum was trying to point out which ones she fancied and she approved of. I like it. So they're very, they're very new age my yeah. parents, they get involved. Um, and then I think I left before them. Oh my goodness yeah. me. So let's delve into your rather stylish sack. And that's what all the fellas call it. Inge- and inject your second item. Dioralite. Oh my God, it's another hydration based. It's hydration well, salts, is- electrolytes. Right. Is this what everyone has brought? Do you know what? It's a lot of people have had some uh, guts and uh, pants. We had spare pants, uh-huh. um, but the hydration thing keeps coming up and up. I, and I suppose it's just so important to be prepared. This uh, is it. Imagine getting your Pepto-Bismol with a Dioralite chaser and double dropping. You're good to go. Oh my God, I'm going to be buzzed. <laughs> um, so go, talk me through this. So it's Dioralite, it has to be citrus. The blackcurrant one uh, reminds me of a deworming um, uh medication that I had to take as a kid and it just makes me want to instantly vomit. Yes, I did have worms How as a kid. How was your childhood for you being <laughs> worms with you? I know. <laughs> it's so gross. Um, and so, yeah, the citrus one, my mum swears by it. It works. Is it is it for hangover or in case you're ill? What's the primary usage? Um, both, both. Both. But I, I, I have an entire pharmacy in my house. I'm very, very prepared and I pride myself on having more than I need. Would you call yourself a prepared traveller then? How good are you mm. at like impulsive travel? Um, I could you go to the like, we both got our passports on yeah. us. I'm not suggesting we should do this, but could you go to the airport right now, or would you be like, oh no, hang on a second, but no, oh, wait, I can't do stuff like that. If your diary was clear for two days, could you do that? Can I go home and get a little bag? Yeah, you'd be able to get a little bag. I, know. I can go. Yeah, I'll go. Was, is it what? a slight tension there though? Would you rather plan if I don't have my toiletries? If I don't have my medications, you know, my in case, just in case, yes, yes, the or like prime example, then I will have anxiety. Right. I don't need a whole lot of clothes. I don't need all all that sort of stuff. 
But yeah, no, I, I, this, I have ADHD and for the most part, I can't organise anything. Right. I actually need, I need a lot of help. I need people to look over so things. So is packing a nightmare for you then? But that's, that is the one bit that I have down. We're creatures of habit. When we, when we have a routine, we're brilliant. So I can pack a, like a, a three week holiday bag in a half hour. And I know where everything is. I've got my travel boxes. I've got everything is labelled just so I can get to it quick. I don't lose it. So other ways that sort of ADHD challenges your travel experience, what do you else do you have to manage? I, I think um, with, with brains like mine, we can get a little bit anxious and freaked out when plans change last minute. Mm. Um, and we're kind of overstimulated by new sights, new sounds, new noises, new language. Oh, we're not doing that thing anymore. Uh Uh-oh. So I try to have sort of backup plans uh, in in order. Um, I also, I make sure that if I'm going to be traveling with someone, that they know they need to be patient because it will take me longer to get ready say for a meal in the evening and I will leave and I'll definitely forget something so I almost is I wouldn't say that I have a carer with me but they know <laughs> they know that their role is as we leave the the hotel room we pass through the the, the door they go do you have xyz and that and that and I might go right 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 okay we have it we're fine so I'm a pretty good traveller, but I tell you where I have things like that flare up is the security at the airport. It's like, do it now, in the bag, where are your liquids, where's your laptop? And I, even I, I'm like, my stuff's going away from me in three different trays. It was all packed perfectly. That can do my head in. And make you feel a bit out of sorts. Yeah. No, but the thing is, I hate coming up and you've got people there that have definitely flown before in their life. Yeah. And everything's still in the bag. They've got a big two litre bottle of water in the bottom of said bag. They, they're they pulling out, they've got chains and, and whips and all sorts. And, 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 and it's like they're holding everyone up. I When I approach the security line, I will actively eye up said security person behind the uh, carousel thing and I'll make it my mission to make them impressed. And to, to kind <laughs> oh, of get... be like an A-star student. Yeah, I want to get the kind of the glint in the eye, the look and the kind of the head tilt like, oh, you've done this before, haven't you? Yeah. And it's like, uh, iPads, liquids, belts off and I've already got it there and I have them separated all in one layer because you can't layer up. The x-ray can't do it. And they're like, they, they go to ask you then, like, iPad... Oh, they're like, oh, man, you're good. And they do, they smile. And that smile sets me up for the holiday. Oh, I love that. What a that... lovely, we've not had that before. So we had Candice Brathwaite on and she spoke about how in some places she felt less comfortable mm. travelling as a black woman and that shaped her experience. When it comes to queer travel, are there places you've loved and felt really welcomed and places you've had any experiences where you felt less comfortable? You spoke obviously really vividly about Swaziland. Mm. But is there anywhere else or places you wouldn't go or places where you feel particularly like, come on in. Yeah, like, <laughs> woo! Happy Pride. Uh, I every time I travel somewhere that I haven't been before, I I have to do. It's unfortunate the, the Google of how many hate crimes have happened here in the last year. Uh, what are the actual laws? Um, how many of those laws have been enforced? So there have been situations with an ex partner where we're sitting down to like pick where we're gonna go on our lovely romantic trip, and it's tinged by, oh yeah, you could die there. Or you'd be arrested for 10 years there. Or, oh, th- that person was killed there. And and wow. very quickly, the pool and selection 
away you could go is crammed down. You can go to, to North Brighton this year, so vary it up rather than yeah. South Brighton. Or, or like Iceland, you know. So there, <laughs> there are places that I really would love to go that I, number one, don't want to go to because I f- feel unsafe. But number two, I don't want to support or give money to said country in, unless I can see changes happening on the horizon. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, bam, we love the gays. But are you trying to fix things? So there's there's a lot of kind of movement happening at the moment in the Caribbean. Never been there, would love to go. Um, and that's really exciting because what happens is in countries, uh, a, a law is abolished, usually a law that's come from the Britain's colonial past mm-hmm. uh, is, is abolished. And then other countries nearby follow suit. It's a domino effect. So when Swaziland had its gay pride parade or its, its queer pride parade, Uganda looked on and there were newspaper articles there and all this so it, it's it's a good contagious effect mm. but I and so it must be hard to get that balance between not going there but then spreading the word and doing things like you did in Swaziland exactly. it's hard to know the balance See, that was Gary Lineker's whole argument was I'd rather go there and spread the message and some people supported that and some didn't with Qatar I mean if you're not if you're not there telling stories and, and meeting people on the ground who actually live in a, a difficult experience because of who they are then you know no one will know but I will say there's one place that you think would be so, so camp, so lovely, so so glam and, and welcoming to, to queer people. Not that queer people are all glam, but you know what I mean, stereotypes. Uh, Cannes. Cannes in, in, in France uh, was really a, not a nice experience. Really? Yeah, like walking down the street with my, my partner, not even holding hands with my partner. I didn't think you were going to say France. Yeah. Um, but pa- Paris, amazing. One of my yeah. best so favourite places to go. So what happened? Um, a lot of uh, weird looks uh, from people like you're an animal in a zoo because you're, you've are you got your arm older, around your partner. Older people or just richer people? <laughs> Everyone. And actually there was one evening where I was walking towards a restaurant with my partner and, and there were a group of lads, young lads came over and they were shouting stuff to us in French. And it was like, really? Here? You know, like I've been to other places, you know, where you'd expect more of that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, can not not one I'd run back to. That's getting renamed. Can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is why you're paying the big bucks. <laughs> I saw a vlog. You went to a uh, New York Pride. That sounds bloody amazing. That was World Pride. Yeah, that was incredible. So World Pride happens in a different location every year, and it, yeah. it is what it says on the tin. They all kind of converge. It's the big one, um, and and that's the home of the Stonewall um, uprising, of the riots. And so you really feel the history uh, when you're in that city. You know, the first ever actual Pride movement. What other destinations would you recommend for exploring queer culture? Well, I, you know, what I find really uh, interesting is every country in the world has a queer history. But we hear about the big ones like New York or like, you know, the UK, if you want to see like stuff about Oscar Wilde, all of that. But actually, if you dig a little bit deeper, there are amazing historical activists and stories that exist in, in the most bizarre of places. And actually, the, the ones that are further flung and, and less expected, those stories tend to be more interesting. Um, so it, like even Ireland, come to Ireland, our our history with queerness is so unbelievable like we went from being it being illegal to be gay in 1993 to uh having a presidential candidate running a few years ago who was who was gay we have a prime minister Taoiseach who is gay now 
Um, and you were one of the first countries in Europe to legalise gay marriage as well, because I remember... Cause all the through Irish, public vote, the first the, in the, the world Irish, through All the Irish vote. comedians, I remember we were backstage at the O2 for some fundraising, and all the Irish comedians were running around super excited, oh. because it was the vote was going to go that way. Yeah, we had, there was a hashtag that went around, home to vote, and it was Irish people, mainly young Irish people, flinging themselves across the world to get home to vote, like literally flying from Australia just so that they could have their vote in this historic um, uh, referendum. And uh, it, yeah, it got, it got through. Amazing. I mean, there's probably more Irish expats around the world than mm. there are British expats. So mm. I know I do a lot of touring where I'm speaking to British people abroad who become more British as soon as they leave Britain. But <laughs> Irish expats seem to assimilate a lot quicker. So mm. within one generation, everyone's American yeah. or Australian, whereas 10 generations in the Costa del Sol is still Gary and Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, do, how do you ever seek out Irish communities when you're abroad or not really in the UK if I'm on the tube and I hear an Irish accent I'm like oh how are you doing where are you from do you know Jacqueline but if I'm away on a holiday I want to get as far as far away from British and Irish as so I no can. Irish pubs then no Irish pubs and, and, and can I say also the Irish pubs that are in these locations generally are it's like a film set yeah it's fake it's not real it's, everything's plastic even and, the Irish pubs in Dublin have gone that way I was in the uh, walking what's it called all the little backstreet bits with all Temple the pubs Bar. Temple Bars and it was like Irish pubs that are not Irish pubs literally if you go to Temple Bar you will pay uh two thirds more for a pint there yeah. than you will a 20 second walk across the I was there the, the other road. weekend and I was like I feel like I'm in an Irish pub in inverted commas and I'm actually in Ireland in an Irish pub this is it you feel like you're in, in, in a TV show mm-hmm. like if you if you lean against the wall the whole set will fall down kind of thing <laughs> and and the, the guy behind the bar is actually an, an, a paid American actor but he's like oh how are you doing um, so yeah I, I try to avoid my own kind when I'm on holiday because I really want to feel like I'm away Right, let's dip back into that bag. What is your third item you brought along? Snorkel goggles. Ah, snorkel goggles. I love the ocean. One of my other things that I was going to do was become a marine biologist when I was younger. God, you were an ambitious child. I couldn't pick a thing. Um, Still don't know what I am, but anyway. uh, These ones I wore uh, swimming in Mexico when we accidentally bumped into a couple of sea turtles, loggerhead turtles. So these have a real beautiful kind of... um, uh, memories attached to them so do you tend to get on a boat and go out and do the scuba diving exhibitions yeah. or do I find expeditions the, I find the kind of the local boat hire person that has a tiny shitty boat that's like, with an engine that's low enough that I can legally drive it myself yeah, could dry your hair off yeah this is it yeah yeah uh, it's like a, a Mini Cooper but right. that can float that kind of vibe and uh, so me a friend a partner whatever we'll, I'll go out for the day and we'll just go snorkeling and drinking the local beer right so you're quite you're reasonably adventurous then when you're away I guess yeah yeah I love to see you're out for the day on the boat and you've had said beers and you have to just stand on the edge of the boat and piss into the open sea there's nothing quite as freeing as that I feel like I'm <laughs> that memory turned a lot less spiritual than I thought it was going to be towards nature <laughs> I was like, what profound pseudo-Buddhist way is this sentence going to conclude? You know, you know when you're slashing into it. <laughs> where, in, where in Mexico was that? We um, love specifics here. Where were that you? Was give, us, give us the towns. Give off us the... the coast of Playa del Carmen. So it's sort of, um, I think, an hour south of uh, Cancun Madness mm-hmm. um, and about an hour as well from Tulum. So it's it's this very calm, 
picturesque, pretty part of coastal Mexico. Your own Instagram is a bit like a travel website. It's so full yeah. of amazing destinations. Oh. Grand Canaria, we know about mm. Budapest, oh, yeah. uh, Turkey. Yeah. But is getting away a chance for you to relax, mm. or or is it you all about socialising with your family and friends? Do you like? Do you ever travel solo? Have you ever done that? I mean, what what is the primary purpose for you when you mm. go on the aeroplane? Relaxation, socialisation, exploring. That's what a great it? question. Um, I like a mixed holiday. I want a little bit of like out uns 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 party with the parents, mm-hmm. but also kind of a, <laughs> a a lie on the beach and and listen to an audiobook and and then the food thing. For me, it's just being in a place that I know nothing about and recentering the mind. And I always come back reinvigorated to do some great work. Mm. It's a, for me. It's always about creativity and work. There's the sameness of you know, say London where I live it can sap all of that kind of yeah. like zing out of you. So I, I get away and I, it centres me with my mental health and with my creativity. And do you find you have more sort of creative moments when you're laying down on a sunbed doing nothing or queuing for a beer mm. or are you, do you get more creativity out poking around some churches in Venice or whatever or yeah I think being still for me really is is, is a good thing still with ideally uh, like a margarita <laughs> so how do you find your next holiday you've talked about obviously you you have to make sure it's a place that's safe to travel mm. and you say you're with your partner choosing but how do you choose I memorably for me the best thing I've ever did is I came out of a relationship you know sliding down I call it the fridge slide where you're uh, 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 oh, sliding God, down the yeah. fridge sobbing where you've been dumped or dumped someone and you feel awful and I, where am I going to go next so I booked three the three weeks off work before I decided and I literally had a globe and I spun you it didn't. wherever my finger lands as long as it's safe right if not I'll go to the closest place that's safe next right. to my finger and that's how I ended up going to Botswana because I had no preconceptions. It's That's a country amazing. On, and it was one of the best trips I've ever done. So I literally spun a globe, put my Boop. finger down, and I'd recommend it. Um, if you've got budget constraints, go to the nearest place you can afford to get to, but it has to be the first place you hit with your finger. How do you choose? Well, I don't do that. That I think I should, but... I'd probably give it a couple of whirls until I got one I liked. <laughs> I've got I've got a few places that are are my absolute favorites, and it it is Santorini. Um, has oh, a, a lot Santorini. of memories there, and I I I just absolutely adore it. And then um, Mexico, like I said, I've been there three times. So, but, but if you're going to go somewhere new, new. To like, so we give you we give you a budget. Oh. Like, two is sending you somewhere. How would you select? I well, I am a marketer's dream. I am very drawn to what I've been shown. Ah. On the gram, on telly, uh, friends have gone there. I, I'm, I'm a copy. Do you kind love of a, a recommendation? Guy. I love a recommendation. Me record. too. Have you been? Where'd you go? Why did you like it? Why did you not like it? Can I come with you? Our Fred Sirix episode is going to change people's lives because it's all areas of France that other people don't go to. The Lot Valley. Never heard of it. Lot. It's on my list to hit this year. I'm going to go. It's just underneath Paris. And it goes unexplored. Alsace Lorraine, another plate that people don't head to. I want now. I want to know because he's recommended them. It's like I want to do it. So you're a bit like that. Yeah. Someone says it. I want a recommendation. I want to know what stories happened there. Um, but also, I'm very, very privileged. And I know that that a lot of the work I do, I don't necessarily decide where I'm going to go. It's like, oh, here we're doing an airline is doing a new route somewhere, and I, I'm going to sort of talk about it online and review it almost um, so yeah very lucky it's your chance to change lives now tell us why Santorini is so amazing and why we should go there and any other place that would be your recommendation Santorini for me is the picturesque pretty not overly developed or t- touristized is that a word uh, island so you can go there and you can look at the the place that's called Ia which is the famous blue domed uh, whitewashed buildings but actually that's just a tiny bit um, so 
the rest of the island it, it feels very authentic um they have the most amazing wines it's a volcanic island so the pumice which is the sort of solidified ash from the volcanoes that are erupting uh, is now the soil that the vines grow in so it's really minerally um, whatever that means it sort of dances across the, th- the tongue as Fred Sirius Syriacs would say, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, he would bloody say that. Um, so the, the, the wine is great, the, the food is great, you can get a little boat and drive it yourself. Um, and the, the place that I normally stay is a, a friend of mine, uh, he, he has a villa there and he sorts us out and it's at the very, very, very That's top. handy. Yeah, very handy. It's at the very top of the island, the, high, the peak, and it's just looking out over the Aegean Sea. And I've had a lot of very lovely romantic memories there with a person I'm no longer with. And I thought it would ruin Santorini for me, but I've now been able to in, enjoy it for what it is and sort of reclaim the island. That's good. So Santorini's great. And if you're going to go there, you have to go to a restaurant called Licabetis. And it's it's on a cliff edge and it looks like it's it's fake. It looks like CGI. The, the tables are working their way up this rock face um, with this like dim light. And it's if you're ever going to propose to anyone, it's there and you're hanging over the edge of the Aegean Sea and the food is like nothing you've ever had in your life. Obviously, you're so well-travelled. You've done some obscure and far-flung things. Have you got any wild travel experiences on your list? Wild. From the world that you either have done or you want to try? Any like crazy stuff? I met a boyfriend on holiday in Miami. Um, went out with a friend, came back to the hotel, wasn't quite finished with the night and I noticed some fitties sitting at, at the hotel bar and I went over with Dutch courage and I was like, hey, how are you doing? We're Irish. We're here on holiday. Can we hang out with you? Hammed it up. Yeah. If you're in America, you ham up the Irish or the British accent. They're like, hey, what's your name? It's R- Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Donald. <laughs> <laughs> so we sat down, we got chatting to these uh, Americans and um, anyway, one of them became a holiday romance. No way. For the entire week long trip. And uh, we ended up having a long distance Dublin, Texas relationship for a year and I went and lived with him in Texas for a few months. Oh my goodness me. That escalated mid-story. It did, didn't it? Yeah, well there's a lot of stuff happening in between that's probably not safe to talk about here. Uh, So hang on a second, you ended up living in Texas? For This is huge. No one's really spoke about living in Texas on on Packy Bags. Where were you living? Uh, Houston, which is where Beyonce is from. And I've heard lots of good things about Houston. Texas has a really bad rep. Yeah, I I went to Dallas. Our honeymoon was to drive across America and we stopped in Dallas because, you know, JFK and the grassy Mm. knoll and all that. But everyone keeps telling me Houston is the place you want to see. Houston, Dallas, Austin. If you can do the trip where you get to all three, you're you're living. They're so different and they're actually so liberal and fun. Uh, it's it's actually a beautiful place. They've got the southern hospitality down. All the food is like you, you order a burger and it's enough to feed a family of six for a month. It's uh it's kind of comical but amazing. Uh, it's one of my favourite places to travel, Texas. So Dallas, Houston, Austin, which one out Austin. of three? Austin is the most liberal. It's where they do South by Southwest. That that like amazing. What's so special about it? Um, it's it's very artistic, and it's very kind of a bohemian. They've got a river that runs through the city, and um, you can go on that river on like a paddleboard or or a, a kayak. And there's like turtles that are swimming oh, past. I mean, I'm getting what you get now. Now I want to see Austin. So I've got this recommendation. I'm going. Give me some food wrecks. Food wrecks. Mm-hmm. Or nightclub, night spot wrecks. Just give me some specifics. Where should we go if we're going to Austin? Okay, if you're going to Austin, you have to go to a ranch. 
go to a, a ranch with horses. Is that like a farm? You mean? It's kind of yeah. It's like a big farm, but it's it's mainly horses, and you can go horseback riding through rivers and stuff. It's all the kind of picturesque stuff stuff that you would have seen in like Brokeback Mountain. The the horseback riding is lovely, and then if you're gonna if you're gonna go out, go to Central Austin, and there's this little gay pocket. And it's it's very very welcoming to people who aren't LGBTQ plus and and are it's, it feels very very safe and the music is brilliant and each bar has its own vibe so you start in like a little drag bar and then you go to one that's a bit like you know poppy and and then you go to one that's very dancey and yeah yeah it's great and then the food you got to try the barbecue the brisket oh, slow cooked Texas authentic brisket and number one thing you have to have to do in Texas any part of Texas is have what's known as a Corona Rita what the hell is that endorsed by Corona they make attachments for this oh, so it's a real I thing I thought it was like some sort of 2020s cocktail no, <laughs> no triggered I know it's a, it, the, a Corona Rita is a fun thing it, it's a very very large margarita in, in a wide oh, glass oh my god and a bottle of Corona in it upside down it sounds like it's gross but the sweet and the saltiness of the margarita with the kind of like it's one of my favourite beers and it's my, literally my favourite cocktail is a margarita so I'm a sorry a Corona Rita will blow your mind okay I mean I don't think I'm ever going to be home for a while I've got so many recommendations we have, but the time has arrived for the quick fire challenge <sighs> I'm ready so let me know because these can be quite psychologically revealing as well oh, right. okay. in fact this first one very much is Last minute trip or planned in advance? Planned in advance because I want to plan what restaurants we're going to, uh, what experiences we're doing. I'm going to book a little boat and uh, I want to do some cultural sort of digging around on Google. Set the itinerary or go with the flow? Set the itinerary. But have the itinerary loose enough to change. I like that. That you're also in control of. Yes, I like that. An appearance of being an impulsive fun person but secretly not being. Yeah, we can go there <laughs> if you want. But but my idea is really good. Yeah. I'm just saying... Do you want me to undo the cuffs? Are we eating <laughs> in my restaurant? <laughs> Favourite beach destination? Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Sun, snow or city break? Sun. Favourite city? Dublin's fair city. <laughs> it's home. Top destination for food? Texas. Yeah, of course. Austin. Best destination for nightlife? Paris. I, 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 for the longest time, I said no to Paris because people said Parisians are not nice and they're going to be rude and they don't want you there. And then eventually, I, my arm was twisted. I went and I had the most amazing time, the best nightclubs, the best music. Everyone was fit. And it was just... And then you go and see the Eiffel Tower the next day. Like... I love it when uh, British people who think they're fit go to either Stockholm or Paris. When you get off the plane, you feel like Shrek. It, it's, it's a fall back down to earth, isn't it? <laughs> Hidden gem. Can you recommend one? Something that people might not think about. Oh, my God. Slovenia, in, in particular, the capital, Ljubljana. Now, I love Ljubljana and everyone looks at me like I'm making it up. Have you been to Lake Bled? Yes. Isn't it like a cartoon? I know. It's stunning. What? is going on in that water there's like minerals or, or algae or something in the water it's like bright greenish blue it's bizarre to look at the most picturesque beautiful place they, they have all these rules about not using uh, boats that have petrol engines so everything's just pure and clean and crisp people are lovely food is unbelievable you're on the edge of uh, where they film Sound of Music in Austria so it feels kind of that, that vibe mm-hmm. doesn't it and there's one there's also one single gay club in all of Slovenia 
It's called Club Tiffany's. And it's about the size of this uh, box that we're in now, this podcast studio. Uh, it could fit about, I, I think, about 20 or 30 people. <laughs> <laughs> I'll seat or window seat? Window, window, window. That's the Avgi coming at me. I want to see the flaps. I want to see the engines. Um, I want to see the, that wing bouncing. Ah, the techie side of it. Yeah. Your favourite travel companion? My best mate, Pawdy. He, we're like the same person, so we always want to do the same stuff. There's never that argy bargy. Yeah. He, he's, um, he's a party boy, um, but, but he also enjoys food, and we look out for each other. We, I feel safe when I'm with him, um, and we always have wild stories. I mean, we went to Mykonos. I stayed out a little bit later than him. He went back to the hotel room and fell asleep, door locked, and I slept outside on the floor uh, for about five hours because... He was just in there comatose. Wow. Um, so that that day was fun, trying to kind of punish him. I was in Ibiza with my best mate. Beifa. Da- uh, Beifa with my best mate, Dan. And he went back to the hotel room a bit earlier than me, so maybe 8am okay. rather than 9am. This is ringing a bell. And I took a slow walk back, and I was walking back a bit intoxicated, and there was a guy on his own at the bus bus stop just looking, watching the sunrise. We were on that side of the island, and I got oh, talking to him. Just, you just hit it off. Like, oh, I'm Dave. I'm Dave too. You're Darren. I'm a Darren. And I went, oh, come come back. We'll have a night a nightcap at the uh, at the uh, at the hotel room so I just thought my mate Dan would be really up for that but where he'd had I don't know a few too many Sambuca shall we say and his brain wasn't functioning straight he thought I'd brought someone back to like replace him as my best mate so I thought we were having this amazing uh, off the cuff friendship beer with someone here we are together and he was going through a paranoid thing he called the replacer and we still talk about to this day the replacer he had like a panic attack thinking I brought someone back to replace him oh I know but you know that shows he really loves you. I know, I know, I know. That was when our aircon broke and we were just laying there with like lakes of sweat on our tummies. This is Dan. Yeah, Dan, Dan. One syllable, that's enough, get it done. Um, lay in or early start? Lay in, for sure. I don't go away on holiday to have early starts or hear my alarm at all. Ultimate bucket list destination, somewhere you've not been that's up there, you've got to go there before you pop your clogs, where would it be? Australia. I don't know why I haven't been. I've got so many friends that live there. I, Australians are one of my favourite types of people ever because mm. they're just, they're wild. They're, they're like um, hotter, uh, better tanned Irish people. <laughs> That's what Australians are. They're nuts. They're absolutely nuts in the best way possible. You, If you're ever with an Australian person, you will have fun, even mm. at a funeral. Um, so dying to get down and uh. Best travel memory? Swimming with turtles in Mexico. Riyadh, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for coming to hang out with me. Uh, anything coming up you want to talk about? Anything you want to plug? Any books? Any series? What can we go? Where can we go to find out more about you? Yeah, some really fun stuff uh, coming up on my socials that uh, we've shot recently. So if you're into queerness, ADHD, or aviation, just the you know the usual mix. That's almost everyone, surely. Go there. So it's at Riyadh K. Thanks for joining us, Riyadh, and uh, thank you for joining us, everyone listening, for this episode of Pack Your Bags with Tui. If you enjoyed this chat, please share with a friend or leave a review. It helps others find the show. And we'll be back next Wednesday with our penultimate, if you're from Essex, that means one before last, (laughs) episode of the series with the amazing presenter and nature lover, Julia Bradbury, who has fronted travel documentaries everywhere from South Africa to Iceland. See you then. Thanks for listening to Pack Your Bags with Tui. Uh, please do share it with a friend. Please leave reviews. It really helps other people find the show. Um, we've got loads more to come, so please follow. Please subscribe. We're back next Wednesday. Tune in for that.
Pack Your Bags was brought to you by TUI and produced by Chalk and Blade.